You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Douglas Welk. The Creative Process podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. It kind of started with my son when he was about 10 years old. He had always read comics with me, but not superhero comics. You know, superhero comics, that's what my dad likes, right? And then when he was about 10, uh, he suddenly realized, oh, this is a complicated system. I like complicated systems. Okay, dad, you know, I think I'd like to read all the Marvel comics in continuity order, not the order they were published, the order the events happened to the characters. It was like, all right, this is, this is going to last a week. It'll be a nice week we have together. And then three months later, he'd read like eight years worth of comics and was still going. And you know, he didn't want to read everything anymore. He'd just jump forward and jump around and like do what you're supposed to do as a reader, which is just read the stuff that interests you. And it was around then that I started thinking, but what would it look like if I did read all of these? If I read this half million page long story that's been going on for 60 years as a story, as one story, and what, what would that look like? That sounds like a book to me, I said, rubbing my hands together like a Bond villain. And uh, then six years later, here we are. It's quite it's quite a feat. I mean, I I don't know. I think you you, you know you discuss like where to begin, and you say that you you know let your curiosity roam. But you know, what was your kind of organizing principle going into it, and how did that adapt as you went along? Well, the organizing principle for reading was no principle at all. I didn't. I decided that I was not going to read in any kind of order. I was going to graze. I was going to read whatever I felt like reading on any given morning or afternoon or evening. So, you know, I might read a chunk of Iron Man, or I might read some Patsy Walker, or I might read some comics drawn by you know, somebody I thought was really interesting, or that involved a character I thought was interesting, or a bunch of old romance comics, just whatever I felt like, just so I would not get mired down in the, oh no, I have however many issues I have to read of this terrible thing. And that worked pretty well until right about the end of the process. I had a spreadsheet where I listed all the comics I was going to read and I crossed things off as I read it. And as I got near the end, I realized there were a few patches that I was neglecting and putting off and was going to have to deal with at some point, which is how I ended up locking myself into an apartment for 11 days with a case of protein drinks and 30 years worth of Punisher comics. I don't recommend reading all of them. Like I, I read all these comics, so you don't have to. They were never supposed to all be read by anyone. They were never supposed to be read from the beginning all the way through. That's not what they're designed for. They are designed for pleasure and fun and entertainment. And you find the ones that you like and you read those. And if there's ones you don't care about, don't read them. Don't waste your time with them. <laughs> there are lots of different ways of looking at them. There are lots of different things to read them for. I am a narrative kind of person, so I read them for narrative. There are people who look at these things specifically for costume design, for clothing design. Like, that is the thing they care about. That is the thing that they are passionate about. Cosplay is a way of responding to comics that is not my way at all, and I'm fascinated by it because it is a completely different way of perceiving these wonderful, pleasurable, entertaining things. I wonder, I don't know, because I know that, you know, uh, you know, people are some people write their thesis about, uh, you know, the different, you know, comic worlds. Um, and I wonder if, um, 
on the university level if that's being done. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this, this, some of this academic analysis. And your own background as a writer, you've also written about music. It's been, you know, just you just tell us about your path to becoming a writer. Uh, so my path to becoming a writer was almost entirely accidental at first. I uh, started out majoring in chemistry in college. I switched to English halfway through because I was terrible at chemistry and got out of college, had no idea what I wanted to do, tried to apply to teach English overseas. That didn't work out. Worked in a comic store for a few months, thought, what am I doing? Moved to New York City and started working as a temporary secretary. And I was hanging out in rock clubs pretty much every night got to be friends with a woman who worked at the music magazine. And so when I couldn't get temp work, I would go and visit her. And I noticed how badly copy edited the magazine was. So I would just like pick up pages and start fixing them. And she said, Oh, do you want to get paid to do that? Sure. Do you want to write a little for us? Yeah, I could do that. Which led to more writing and editing gigs, which led to a gig editing a music magazine. And at the music magazine, we had a terribly small budget. We couldn't afford to pay anybody. Like, I think we, what we paid for a record review was less than what it cost to buy the CD. And so it was pretty much all like friends of mine and people I'd gone to college with. And I ended up having to write a lot of the magazine myself just to make our budget to a bunch of pseudonyms, which is how I learned I could write very quickly if I had to. And if you see any old issues of CMJ New Music Monthly, where reviews are credited to names that you recognize as members of the Legion of Superheroes, that was me. Uh, <laughs> that led to doing some freelance writing and more and more freelance writing. And after a few years, I was getting so many freelance writing gigs that I realized I would make more money and have more fun if I just quit working at the magazine and wrote full time. And that was almost 25 years ago. And I've been freelancing ever since. For the better part of that time, I was mostly writing about music because there was a structure in place to write about music. You wrote for magazines, you wrote for newspapers, features, reviews, whatever. And the first book I wrote was a book about a performance that James Brown gave in Harlem one night during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. That was one of the uh, 33 and the third series, uh, little books about classic albums. I started uh, giving some talks about music and I was writing a little bit about comics when I could. I'd started writing about comics actually when I was working at the music magazine when we had pages to fill and they said, oh, let's do a couple pages a month that will be about other media. I was like, great, I'll write about comics every month. Started doing it there. That led to opportunities to do it elsewhere. Around 2001, 2002, 2002 2003, yes, I got a fellowship at the, in the National Arts Journalism Program at Columbia University, which was a program for, quote, mid-career arts journalists to spend a year working within the discipline that they normally wrote about instead of writing about it. So it was great. They paid us to not write for a year. And I decided to study comics making. Now, you, there's not really a comics making program at Columbia University. There are, there are comics making programs at some colleges, Center for Cartoon Studies, a few other places. 
But I was like, okay, what's the closest thing I can do to this? So I took an introduction to drawing class. I took an art theory class that was taught by Coco Fusco, who's amazing, amazing, amazing. And I took, among other things, a visual narrative class that was taught by James Seamus, who is the guy, yeah, you know James Seamus. James Seamus is incredible. He's the best teacher I've ever had. He's absolutely phenomenal. And those classes collectively just blew my mind. But it was all about trying to understand comics, not from a sort of interpretive critical perspective, but from a how do you make pictures? How do you make visual narrative? How do you draw a thing and then draw another thing? And that makes a story. So as you think about the future, education, the environment, technology, all these things that are discussed in such a depth in the Marvel universe and our current systems, societal problems, what are your hopes? What would you, what are some of the life lessons that were important to you, teachers important to you, and what would you like young people to know, preserve, and remember? Wow, that's big. I like the idea that your actions in the world can be motivated by both idealism and realism about how to achieve those ideals. I like the idea that morality is not simple. There's this idea that like, there's the heroes and there's the villains and you can easily tell who's who and that's not so true as it used to be and in comics and that's special and that is meaningful. One thing that is interesting about the Marvel story is there's basically nobody who's just a bad guy to be a bad guy. Everyone has their reasons. Almost everyone is capable of redemption in some way. Even the worst of the worst are capable of tremendous heroism and tremendous idealism and genuinely wanting to heal the world and make it a better place. I think communicating what, what those ideals are and how they can change and need to change as time passes is really special. And I think that addressing those through stories, through things where there's not necessarily a one-to-one -one meaning like this is this is not this is not a parable this is not you know something where you know, character x stands for concept y in always exactly the same way that's important that things can shift that things can be different that a better world is possible and that you can make it so that your abilities maybe things that you work very hard for for a very long time or they may come to you. Your body may be transformed in ways that are wonderful or are horrible, and you can make something of it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.